Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book podcaster and adorable individual Eva Webb about what comics she would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift comic anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Eva Webb. How's it going? I am loving life. Uh, I just want to say that it is uh, it is an honor to uh, to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's a real honor to to have you here, um, and an absolute pleasure as a fellow podcaster. Likewise. Excellent. Um, so, uh, yes, for for those that haven't come across you just yet, um, and more and more people are becoming becoming aware of your of your great podcast. Uh, what do you do in the world of comics? So uh, what it is, is a, uh, it's sort of this quiet, thoughtful interview show where I talk to comics creators uh, about the things they enjoy, the things they do, and the creative process in general. Uh, it's called Titch for Characters. Um, imagine sort of like uh, inside the actor's studio, but for comics. It's a ton of fun. It's absolutely superb. And so obviously uh, people can just, just search for titular characters uh, on their podcast apps and find it right there. Uh, but where else can people find you online? Um, we have a website, uh, characters.evilweb.me. And uh, anything about the show from the podcast itself to um, tweets from people who have been on to every episode we've ever done is right there at your fingertips. Um, also, the show is available in absolutely every possible incantation of a podcast app that there is. <laughs> so uh, if you've got a podcast app, uh, chances are we're on it. Fantastic. Um, and yeah, those, all of those links from the show notes as well, of course, folks. So go click through, uh, check out Eva's podcast, Titular Characters, and also uh, make sure that you follow her on Twitter and the like as well. Um, now, uh, all of that aside, Eva, unfortunately, I do have some some bad news for you. Uh, so on, on top of what we're having to go through at the moment, um, there's actually been a zombie outbreak at the same time, unfortunately. Um, and so my first question oh, for no. you is, what is your actual plan for survival? Um, okay, so just think about it pragmatically. Um, you got to remember that zombies, are smarter than you give them credit for, but people are extremely predictable. Now, uh, what you want to do is find the places that nobody, assuming, so find the places that no regular person would think to look, where you'd be safe, where there would be high ground and food, um, and and stuff like that. So what I'm going to say is uh, I want to find the nearest Sporting goods store, and uh, and just live in their warehouse for a little bit. Nice, <laughs> excellent. Is in is uh, is anybody coming with you? Do you think? 
Um, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe I'd try to take my family. Yeah, yeah. Just take them along for the ride. Why not? You know, possibly. You know, it all depends <laughs> if they've been turned into zombies or not. That's um, it. Isn't I'd it? be very upset if they were, of course. But uh, you know, assuming they're not turned into zombies, we would find a car and uh, we'd pile in and go to the sporting good warehouse or uh, wherever we end up deciding to go. Nice. Doing it that way. Perfect. Um, and uh, when well, when you get to this um, sporting goods store, um, you you kind of hunker down. Um, you got a good kind of fortress around you um, of of all of the the sporting goods that they've got inside, and you find a dartboard, um, and you start start playing some some good old fashioned darts just to pass the time. Um, and uh, one of the conversations that comes up is is about comics. And your family start asking you about comics. And the, the first question they ask you is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? You know, that's a very good question. Uh, first comic I remember enjoying was uh, during the uh, the early 80s. There was a huge just sort of glut of uh, early Spider-Man reprints on the market. You could get them everywhere. They were just these, uh, these thick, low-quality reprints. And... Uh, and my dad read them to me in the cradle. It was, wow. it was really amazing. I'll never forget it. And uh, as soon as I was old enough to understand words and what words were, he was reading them to me again. Um, and then when I was reading them on my own, I was reading Spider-Man, you know. That's awesome. And obviously that's kind of where the love of comics came from for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's something magical about comics. You know, uh, when your eyes open and you laugh at that first joke, you're hooked. Uh, it's over <laughs> from there, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. And was there any particular storyline of Spider-Man that stood out for you when you were younger? Um, I especially liked the stories where uh, Spider-Man was fighting with Mysterio and Dr. Octopus. Those were my favorites. Nice. Nice, excellent. And um, we'll get a bit more into that later. So uh, watch this space, everyone. Uh, now, uh, the next question that comes up in front of the dartboard uh, is what's the funniest comic that you've read? Okay, so this is going to be a deep dive. It's not like one that's uh, like widely known anymore for some crazy reason. I don't know what happened. But uh, the uh, the funniest comic book I can think of is... Uh, is Grew the Wanderer by Sergio Aragones. Um, so funny. The artwork is, is so silly and the stories are fun. It's uh, Imagine Conan the Barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, only he's, he's really, really dumb. and But he's good-hearted, you know? <laughs> and he just goes through these stories. And uh, it was put out by Marvel in uh, the 80s and 90s. And uh, if you can find it, it's totally worth reading. Fantastic. And um, it's it's almost got kind of a, I don't know, almost an asterisk feel about it as well. It's not exactly the same style, but it's kind of got an asterisk feel about it, it feels. If you know if you know asterisk, that is. Yeah, it's, I, I do, actually. Um, it's funnier than asterisk. I don't know. Awesome. Maybe I'm biased because I, I didn't discover uh, Asterix until I uh, until I went to live overseas. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Gru is uh, 
he's basically just dumb Conan, and and he's gonna dumb Red Sonia that, that hangs out with him, and mm. it's great. That's fantastic, and it's funny that you say um, that it's um, kind of it's not that well known anymore. And I hadn't heard of it until about three or four weeks ago, when one of my more recent previous guests um, put it down as as their funniest comic as well. Um, and so it's funny that it kind of like the the two people that have mentioned grew the wanderer kind of happened to be kind of within the same month. So um, it's uh, it's funny happenstance. Anyway, um, the the next um, question that crops up in front of the dartboard is um, what is your favorite cover? Oh my goodness, there's so many to choose from. Yeah, um, I think. Oh gosh, what was it? What was the one uh, from the notes earlier? Um, oh yeah, Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man One Nine Eight. Yeah, right. That's the one. The one with uh, Mysterio just being a badass. Yeah, Mysterio totally. is a great Spider-Man villain. He is amazing. Um, I, I love the fact that you know he doesn't have any superpowers, but he's so good at his job of being a special effects artist. Um, that he might as well be like any other reality bender, you know. Um, and it's it's neat. It's neat. Um, the, the appeal of, of Mysterio, I think, is in the, the psychological and how he can fool your eyes. 100%. And this is a, this is a great cover, and it's, it's fairly iconic, I think, where you've kind of got Spider-Man right in the middle of the cover being surrounded by five Mysterios, um, and he's and Spider Man saying all these images of Mysterio attacking me at once, but how can I tell which is my real foe? Um, and kind of obviously giving a clue that you know it's it's you know four of them are illusions and just one of them are real. Um, and uh, no, it's a it's a fantastic cover. You know, so like uh, for my for my podcast, we do original art for every episode, uh, sort of parodying a, a different comic book, you know, and uh, a different cover every time. Um, and the third one we did was a play on that cover. I uh, I had Brian Fry on my show to talk about plagiarism. Right. So I thought that uh, it would be fun to, uh, to do it in a way that sort of plagiarized everything I could think of as far as comics. <laughs> so the costume for the, the Eva character on that cover is like, a Superman shirt with Wolverine claws and Spider-Man gloves and uh, um, oh, what was her name? The bottom part is all uh, different X-Men and it's mm. really cool. It's neat. That's awesome. Fantastic. And yeah, no, that's great that you do original art for, for, for every podcast so, you know, fair play. It's fun. I, I feel like it keeps the production values up yeah. And it gives somebody something to, to look at as far as, um, you know, when, when the show comes out, it's, yeah. Getting it, a flavor it's the best of the show. possible poster yeah. because it's exactly, exactly. No, that's brilliant. <clears throat> now, uh, going, going uh, back to the dartboard once again, um, the next co- uh, question that comes up from your family is, is what's the most meaningful comic to you? That's a really good question. I'd have to say for me, um, 
gonna be it's gonna be uh probably the first seventy five issues of uh of Sandman and uh Death High Cost of Living. It's a toss up. Nice. And and why is it that they're um they're particularly meaningful to you? I, I liked I like Dream, but uh Delirium is the one that it's always sort of identified with. Uh just mm-hmm. the chaotic nature of the character and uh you know, it's it's something that just sort of sticks with me. You know, I, I feel like I understand the character where they're coming from mm-hmm. and um just sort of, I don't know. Uh, if I was going to be any comic book character, I would probably be Delirium. I think. <laughs> nice. No, that's great. It's, it's it's so amazing when you do get a connection like that to a character that you can kind of feel like, yes, I understand them, um, and yeah, you even want to be them as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would love to be a character like that. I, I think it's. Uh... I think it's neat. I think uh, I think they're a, a very well developed character. You know, I, I also like the fact that you know it was one of the uh, the first high profile uh, non binary characters in comics. You know, amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and yeah, obviously, kind of, you know, it's well ahead of its time in in that way as well. I guess. Well, you know, looking back at it now. Um, I really, I, I don't think it was intentional on uh, on Gaiman's part, right. but I feel like the first couple of period of appearances of the character were, uh, I don't know, I, I, I feel like Dream used a lot of insensitive language, mm-hmm. like uh, using pronouns like it. Right. Um, I, I don't think that would happen today, honestly. Right. I, I think that um, today. Um, the uh, gaming would use probably the them pronouns mm-hmm, sure. for delirium. Um, and and uh, that was actually something that got corrected um, in the Sandman audio drama, oh, right. which, if you listen to it, is amazing. If you want to get into Sandman, mm. um, the audio drama is virtually word for word from the comic. Right. Um, there isn't a lot of creative change in it, and uh, it's so much fun. Nice. So now, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be adding that to my uh, Audible uh, wish list as well, <laughs> as well as my reading list. Oh, yeah, you have to. Yeah. It's kind of required reading right now. I feel like there's yeah. a moment going on uh, just around Sandman, and uh, it's only going to get more intense, and you're not going to be able to avoid it when the Netflix show comes out. So oh, my best not. advice is read all the Sandman you can, because it's amazing, and it's, it's just a solid read. Superb. That's fantastic. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our next question. Uh, what's the most underrated comic? Okay. So my honest thinking, uh, underrated comic, I've got, I've got a good one on this one. Um, I'm going to say Thunder Agent. Um, it is sort of like I think the way they described it was sort of like um, X-Men meets the man from uncle. Wow. Awesome. Sort of. It's uh, it, it was the first, um, 
Well, or, or maybe Doom Patrol meets the man from Uncle, something like that. Mm. But, um, excuse me. It was the first superhero spy comic put out in the 1960s, uh, art by Wally Wood and just this whole stable of other legendary artists. Um, amazing characters. Um, you had uh, Dynamo, who had this uh, lightning belt, basically. Um, and it would give him the powers of, like, Superman, but only for limited periods of time. Right. And uh, then you had Lightning. Everybody remembers light, Or everybody who knows Thunder Agents remembers Lightning because Lightning had this suit that basically turned him into the Flash, except uh, it worked by speeding up his metabolism, and it, uh, it caused him to age radically so that every time he was putting on the suit... Um, he was that much closer to death. My God. And uh, then you had uh, No Man. Yeah. You had No Man who was this uh, android. And uh, I, I just remember being fascinated by No Man as a kid because you've got, like, this blue-skinned android. Um, and he's got the brain of a, uh, of a scientist in his head. And uh, he's effectively immortal. But the place where the series never had time to go, and the thing that I think is just interesting to uh, to think about is, you know, the character at one point admits that from the time he was turned on as an android, he's gained new experiences. So he can't say with any confidence that he's the same person that he started with. And I think that's, if he went a little further with that particular character, uh, there's so much to explore as far as like the nature of self, you know, what makes you, you and mm. uh, what, what makes a, a person alive to begin with. And uh, the other one I thought was cool was, uh, was Menthar and Menthar had this uh, psychic helmet. And the cool thing about that is that Menthar was a double agent working for the bad guy at the time. Um, because the bad guys were exceptionally good at getting into Thunder headquarters and just messing things up. Uh, and they, they just destroyed the building like seven times in the original <laughs> series. Just one time, once right after another, after another. And, you know, you're reading this and you're thinking, oh, my God, the security, you know, around, around this is ridiculously bad. It's just terrible. I mean, who would allow that? Uh, okay, like, bad guys breaking into your building with a giant monster and destroying your office once? Okay, I could see that, right? But it happened seven times. Right. Anyway, <laughs> not only did they destroy the office like seven times, but they also managed to get in a double agent. And um, Menthar was a double agent. He was extremely intelligent, and the helmet gave him psychic powers. But the cool thing about it was that after a while um, of using or uh, of using the helmet. Um, he didn't need the helmet to have those same psychic powers anymore. And the other thing that the uh, the helmet did was it corrected his orientation. It turned him from somebody who was a double agent to just a hardcore good guy. And he couldn't remember what was going on um, with the uh, when he was wearing the helmet. So he just assumed that, you know, he was still a double agent. It was very, very interesting. Um, he finally became a good guy when he realized, I think it was in issue seven or issue eight, 
that uh, the bad guy that he was working for, Overlord, uh, great bad guy name, by the way. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, he realized that Overlord um, didn't value his life or um, or his work. So he said, "Who you, Overlord?" And uh, that was the end of that. Epic. This sounds fantastic. I'm going to have to hunt this down because I've I've never read this. Oh, but it gets it gets so much better. So, like in the 1980s, there was this crazy rights battle um, around the Thunder Agents, um, where somebody put out an, uh, an unauthorized version of the comic, uh, trying wow. to make the argument that the series was in the public domain. They got a so the the guy who owned the rights got a declaratory judgment. Um, I think there are a lot of uh, of unanswered questions about this. Um, this. The story goes on. It's elaborate. It's tragic. There was one guy who uh, who published the title like towards the end of the uh, the uh, I think it was the early '90s or the late '80s, and uh, he was involved with like Penthouse Comics and a bunch of them. Um, he committed suicide just after the book came out. It oh, was man. crazy. There, there. The backstory behind this particular book is just as interesting as the story and the concepts and the characters themselves. It's a soap opera. Yeah. It sounds like it could be a, a one of those documentaries, really, that, that kind of, you know, Netflix are doing. <laughs> I've thought about doing one, um, but it would be about, it'd be about three hours long to get the whole story. Worth it, though. I think it would be fun. Awesome. I'd watch it. <laughs> Definitely. That would be cool if you could. Ace. Um, now, um, moving on to our penultimate question in regards to comics, um, and that is, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? That's going to be a hard one. Um, I think you're going to want a, uh, a book that's fun, that's kind of funny, that's entertaining that still plays with a lot of tropes and a lot of um, conventions that you see in comics. So my my entry book is going to be uh, Wrong Earth by Tom Payer and uh, Jamal Engel. Nice. And what's that about? Okay, so imagine modern day Batman got stuck in a uh, in an alternate universe with uh, Adam West Batman or or maybe even not modern nice. day Batman but like 90s dark gritty Batman got stuck in an alternate dimension with Adam West Batman and they couldn't stand each other but the longer they spent together uh, the more they realized they have in common which I thought was a really interesting sort of quirk on, on doing that um, and they fill the book with these Golden Age style stories um, and Silver Age style stories, yeah. and um, they did a story that that looked like it came out of the '90s that was just like intentionally bad, where they broke the pacing and just on purpose. And um, mm-hmm. the the cool thing about a book like Wrong Earth is that even though it's a new book that you've never seen before, um, it's a book that feels. Like, it has a ton of history to it. Like, it tricks your brain into thinking, oh, well, this book's been around forever. I've always liked this book, you know? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's funny when it when it when a comic seems to kind of land that um, in that it feels like it's always been there, even if it hasn't. <laughs> like there was this uh, this one story where uh, fireflies, uh, or sorry, uh, dragonfly is the the main bad guy or the main good guy in this book, and he's got right. an assistant. Who's a sidekick? I don't remember his name right now. Um, I think it's Buzz. No, it's not. Oh, Tom's gonna kill me if he hears this interview. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, they did this Golden Age style story with him that uh, they that was so precise that it it fooled me into thinking it was a real Golden Age story for a second. Um, the, the art style was dead on. The um, the dialogue was perfect. The the conventions of it and the way the bad guy worked were uh, were just right there. It, it was it was incredible. Um, and I would have believed it was a golden age story if I hadn't talked to the artist two days before reading it. Um, <laughs> yes, so there was that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just so great, and uh, there's so much love and so much detail and. Um, it's got a lot of really subtle uh, visual jokes in it, where uh, the the artist and the writer take pot shots at each other. It's awesome. Like um, there's this one issue that just came out of uh, of Wrong Earth where uh, the bad guys take um, take Dragonfly and they put him in this giant kettle of water, and it's like a giant tea kettle, and and the kettle is made of uh, of pyrex that it. Pyre Rex, because Tom Pyre is the writer. <laughs> right. But it spelled nice. like his name. Oh, it was it was adorable. Very funny. <laughs> so full of full of Easter, nice little Easter eggs like that. That's 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 great. Oh, there's there's tons of them, and there's callbacks to like old Batman stories and allusions like bat to to Batman and the Punisher and um. It's it's a really meaty book that gives you a lot more than you expect, and that's what I liked about it. It's a, it would be a great introductory course. In that's yeah, a hundred percent. That's great, fantastic. Um, now, um, moving on to our last question in regards to comics, and that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? That's a, that's a really easy one. Um, that's going to be the Sandman omnibus. Yeah. A nice. Is that, well, is that cheating? Of, you know, flat out. Is that cheating? No, not at all. Not at all. Really it's, it's, it's one comic. entire collection, so that's totally allowed within the rules. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's what I would do. One hundred percent, and uh, you, great. And yeah, you almost don't have to uh, explain yourself. Uh, with that one um like it's um it's it's a very obviously very long series and it's kind of got it all as as far as i'm aware and it's the kind of book that you can just you're never going to get tired of it because you can just open up any any chapter in it and just start reading the sandman is accessible and fun fantastic now uh, along with your uh sandman omnibus um what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Um, what I'm going to do is take a, uh, a laptop 
a solar powered laptop, it's, uh, it's going to be packed full of city planning data. And uh, yeah, we're going to need that. I mean, it is the apocalypse. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And with all those, those, uh, those city, that city planning data, um, obviously you'll be able to find absolutely everything. You can even probably get in and out of the city um, through the sewer system or, or kind of access tunnels and things like that. Um, so that, that is by far one of the best uh, useful items that I've heard on this show after 101 episodes. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a stroke of genius there, Eva. Oh, yeah, totally. Because, you know, your whole priority is, uh, is staying safe and being informed. And uh, after the apocalypse, that is, is probably going to be the, uh, the most important asset you can have. 100%. That's perfect. Amazing. Well, Eva Webb, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. It really has been. I have truly enjoyed this. And uh, I... I I would love, uh, love to come back anytime, seriously. Amazing. Thank you so much. And for the listeners, one more time, where, where can they find you online? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Eva is adorable because I am. I am truly adorable. And, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> um, they can also find <laughs> me at uh, characters.evaweb.me for, for the podcast and all of the activity pages that we've got to go with each show. And uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's called Titular Characters. I'm also a co-host on another podcast called Nerdfic Strangers, which is uh, also a lot of fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. Great. Um, well, uh, once again, Eva, thank you so much. And uh, uh, if you're ever across in the UK um, and comic cons are up and running again, it would be great to to cross paths if that ever happens <laughs> oh sam you're, you're going to be like one of the first people i call seriously awesome thank you so much um and uh, until that time i'm sure i'll see you on twitter i have no doubt of that <laughs> excellent thanks eva take care and and speak soon you too thanks again to eva for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Eva's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.